This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 14th, episode 2766. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you stopping by this endurance episode. And this episode is always the second Tuesday of every month. And I had a couple of people last week who I, because it's it seems like it's so late in the month, this month, uh, because of where the first fell, that uh, people mm-hmm. were concerned that you weren't going to be here this month. So they were <laughs> like, when's the endurance episode? I said, she'll be here. It's still the second Tuesday. Just yes, second Tuesday is usually long before the 14th. Yes. They are, yeah. It's just timing. Yep, that's right. So thank you for joining us. I know you've been putting up with some <laughs> some trials and tribulations out there in Nevada, in the mountains, in the smoke-filled mountains of Nevada. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate that. I, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that people don't think about when there's fires in your area. Uh, and how that affects your life with horses. So we're going to talk about that coming up. We also have a couple of great guests. We have Griffin Keller. She's a big part of the Green Bean Program, and she's going to come on and talk to us. Apparently, she's going to be uh, riding at the Biltmore in a couple of weeks, and Jennifer, my wife, is getting ready to go up there. She's going to do the basically green bean ride at the Biltmore, but she's getting kind of anxious and nervous and excited to go to the Biltmore, (laughs) which by the way, I know you've probably never been there, right? I haven't. No, I mean... I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, talk about... It's probably the most beautiful setting as far as a a ride goes in, in America because of the, you know... 150 room mansion on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it definitely has a feel to it. We've been there many times. And then also coming up, we have an author on today who's talking to us about our new book that's really based on, loosely, I guess, based on the life of somebody that we've talked about many times on the show, and that's Julie Sir. So we're going to have her on. We have a lot coming up on today's show. Plus, we'll talk a little product with Distance Depot. But first, We're going to start with the endurance tip. What do you have for us this month? Okay, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's important when you go to an endurance ride to do a pre-ride. You can call it a tack check or it's just an overall check prior to every competition you do. So what you want to do once you get to the ride venue is, well, first you're going to want your horse to rest depending on how long your trip was. Um, Make sure your horse is 
you know, getting a little bit of rest after the trailer trip is eating and drinking and everything is looking good. But you're going to want to do just even just a quick little hour or it can be a little longer than that. It doesn't need to be an all day thing because you're going to be competing the next day, right? So you just want to get everything together that you're going to be wanting to use during the competition the next day. So you go through your tack, you want to do a thorough check, make sure everything is in good shape. You know, check all your equipment over, make sure all the, like if you have Chicago screws holding anything together, that they're tight and secure, make sure all of your off billets or girth straps or girths and snaps and clips and everything that's on all of your gear, just Go over it and check it. Make sure everything's in good shape. Make sure there's no uh, fracture or stress lines showing up on your stirrups. I mean, you can eliminate a lot of those, you know, oops moments that we've all experienced at one time or another out on the trail. You know, when you're miles from anywhere, you you know, that's not when you want to have some sort of attack malfunction. So go over, check everything, make sure everything's in good condition, working properly, attached well, Um, You know, get everything together that you know you're going to want to carry with you the next day. Like it can be snacks, you know, obviously stuff that needs to stay refrigerated. You know, you're going to keep it to where it's convenient to get to in the morning when you're getting ready. But, you know, you want to get everything kind of organized you know, like on your saddle, if you know you're going to be riding up in the mountains, there's always, you know, lots of times a chance of a rainstorm, thunder and lightning storm. So you're going to want to pack if, if you think you're going to need it. It's better to have it than and not need it than the other way around. So you want to make sure you've got like your rain gear, uh, spare hoof boots for your horse, um, you know, any other kind of stuff. You know, can you pre-pack your electrolyte syringes if you use them or a baggie of feed for your horse? Uh, stuff like that. You want to get it all together and organized, uh, you know, and then go out and do a ride. And this during this ride, you're going to be checking to make sure everything, you know, all systems are go for the rider, the horse, all your gear, everything's together. You're comfortable. The horse is comfortable and moving well and everything feels okay. And that's just something that uh I think a lot of endurance riders have learned to do over the years when they go to rides regularly. But if you're starting out, you know, you may not know it or you may just want to, you know, quickly throw your tack on and go for a ride and not realizing the importance of checking everything over to make sure everything's, you know, in good working shape and condition and that you have all your stuff organized and together. Because in the morning, you know, you may feel rushed for some, you know, that just happens a lot of people get a little anxious maybe they overslept or whatever they feel like they're running behind to make it to the start line and they underslept (laughs) (laughs) underslept yes (laughs) and so you know the more you have prepared then the less you have to think in the morning you you know you just go through the you know the steps of putting everything together and uh, be assured that you know you went over everything so well the day before <clears throat> that you're not gonna need to worry that you're forgetting something. 
Can I also throw something in from the horse husband? Before you leave home, uh, when is the last time you checked the air in all of your tires, truck, and trailer? And when's the last time you had your bearings packed and your brakes checked? So, because that's supposed to happen once a year. Did you do it yet this year? You know, you're going to be yes. going over the hills and through the mountains, especially if you're going to the Biltmore. Um, one, one thing, low tire pressure can help build up heat on the tires, which isn't good. Mm-hmm. That's how you shred, you shred tread. Um, and you'll be like one of those truckers sitting alongside the road with your tire completely bald. Yes. Changing uh, tires is no fun. No, not at all. <laughs> Done enough of those. Oh, and have you remembered to pack your, what are they called? The yellow things you drive up on? Um, oh, the trailer aid. Trailer aid, thing. yep. Have you remembered uh-huh. your trailer aid? And then also uh-huh. saw this recently. Somebody posted this. They didn't have the right uh, tire lug wrench. In oh, there. okay. Because the one for your truck is not necessarily the same one for your trailer. So you should have one of the four-in-one ones. Sure. Um, so and a breaker bar because sometimes those lug nuts are really hard to get off. Really hard. Yeah. So, But those bearings, probably the most important thing. You have to make sure you get checked every mm-hmm. year. Because we, we did have a situation where a tire came off once. I mean, it sheared the axle in. It rolled across the oh highway. So, <laughs> yeah, yikes. Not, that's not fun. Uh, don't recommend it. So, yeah, do that yes. before you leave home see, and everything Karen said when you get there. See, and see, for you guys listening that are new, you can already tell that actual endurance rides the easy part. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. It's all this preparation, getting everything ready ahead Isn't of time. Isn't that true of any show, though? <laughs> you spend a week getting ready, and it's over in a, you know, in a dressage show. It's over in three minutes, right? Or five minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah, at least in endurance ride, you're out there all day. Right. You're, you know, you're... <laughs> Up from morning till till dawn, doing stuff. So you know, in a lot of cases, when you're doing your local shows or jumper shows, it takes you longer to get everything ready, pack up, and go than it does to ride. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I know that from being a horse husband. <clears throat> <laughs> so yeah, uh, definitely good advice. Now. You guys, uh, you live in the mountains of Nevada toward the northwest side, toward California, where they happen to be having all these fires again this year. So you've been dealing with large quantities of smoke. But you've also been dealing with something that I bet you know, like, we don't live near fires, so we don't think about this. What else have you been dealing with, Karen? Well, the wild animals that have been <laughs> fleeing from the fires, and we normally and not do just the pretty deer, wild animals. But yes, there's bears. There's been bobcats, coyotes, and they're coming through and into people's yards. Like my neighbor, two houses down, like a couple days ago, he was in his backyard doing stuff. Turned around and there was this big bear, right? Like oh my God. a couple of feet from. Talk about having a heart attack. <laughs> I know. And uh, yeah, I was heading out. I took the little guy. I call him the little little Joe, Jovi, and uh, we were heading out on a trail. And because we finally had some decent air to breathe, you know, it, it's their quality was so bad for like almost two months. You couldn't do anything outside. It was awful so finally we're getting some decent air and i'm heading out on the horse on a trail ride and here comes one of those side by sides which is like a dune buggy type thing and uh, they stop and say hey just so you know there was a bear just ahead up on the trail that just crossed over but it was a little bear (laughs) (laughs) they get okay thanks because well you know usually big Little bears are accompanied by bigger bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Really pissed and, but, bigger bears. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get between them if you can help it, especially I'm on this 
you know, new to me horse who's, you know, he's only seven and he's, you know, he hasn't done anything really for a while because of all the fires and the smoke and it's just been kind of nuts. So, but we encountered like a total of four side-by-sides, but we never saw a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't, you know, I... I, and you got to figure that they're kind of all those animals, bears and coyotes and stuff. And coyotes are probably your more dangerous of the two. Um, they're kind of upset because they've just kicked out of their house. You know, their house yeah. is burning down. They're kind of disoriented. They're looking for food, you know, and, right, and water. Right. Um, and in your case, water, right? So it could be, you know, we've got the between the two fires, the Tamarack fire, which is like 63,000 acres. And the Caldor fire, which is over 200,000, um, probably a lot of the animals that came this way from both of those fires are now moving into the Pine Nut Range where I live, which already has, you know, a pretty good population of coyotes and bears and bobcats and a lot of other animals. So now there's, you know, more animals competing. Oh, they're all going to be fighting for territory. <laughs> for their Yeah, for their territory and stuff like that. So... You know, but, you know, we're used to normally the bears come down every fall and pick up all the fruit from the fruit trees through the neighborhood. They're getting ready, you know, to hibernate. But this year, there's definitely, it's like all the neighbors are reporting bears. And now everybody's got those um, door videos. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so everybody's posting on the neighborhood group all the videos of the bears coming in and getting in their trash and going through their yards and their driveways. And Did you invest in some bear spray? I don't have bear spray, but um, I... I have wasps, wasp spray, but I <laughs> I think maybe ever... bear spray would be a little it uh, it shoots a good distance. So yeah, well, wasp spray does too. Yeah, it you know. So I you I've encountered bears several times. Usually they go the other way. Yeah. Um, usually all you, you see know, is their butts. Usually yeah. they usually keep going. Um, you know, uh, and I've so far I've had horses where it's like their hair stands up on end and they freeze. I've never had a horse like freak out over a bear, um, but they do watch like intently, you know, definitely yeah. gets their intention because, yeah. you know, they clearly can smell it. They, you know, they know. Well, they know I, it's I, a predator. Have you ever so. had problems with coyotes? Because in a group, they can be a problem. Yes. Yeah. Um, definitely. I've had many, many encounters with coyotes. Um, I've had them try to lead my dog off. Mm. Um, that's why if you take a dog out here riding it, better have good recall or you may not, you know, get your dog back again. Um, in fact, there's some areas where I won't take a dog anymore because I know that's their territory where their den is. So we just respect that and leave them be and they usually leave us be but you know they come through the neighborhood usually at night you know you can hear them howling and you see i see their um they leave behind their poop and then the bears leave their scat behind and i've had all these animals leave behind their you know in the horse paddocks Mm. i have found bear scat and um manure from coyotes and stuff so yeah they're but the the coyotes are getting a little more bold right now. They've been going through people's yards in the broad daylight. Yeah, again, they're you know they're out of their sorts too. You know they're having they're having a bad day too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Craziness. All right. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, something else that you're doing. But first, let's talk about we we had talked to a couple members of the United States Endurance World Championship team for young riders. How did they do anyway? It looks like they all did really well. I was so excited to hear that they all finished and did well. Um Let's see. I don't. I don't think I posted. Did I post where they? Uh, their. Pl- I don't think I the got the team their co- posted fifth. I guess. At, at, yes, yeah. the team posted fifth, and they all completed. So congratulations to them for all their hard work. And I know they put in a lot of effort to get there, and they win, and they um, did really well. They had three team members and all three team members finished. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the results for the countries and, and we got some ones we don't talk about or have never talked about in the eight years we've been doing this show. Uh, and that's France took number one. Now, that's not unusual, right? The French do pretty well. in mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So this, is, of course, is the juniors now. And, and uh, the second place team was Malaysia, which... Not somebody we've talked about too much. Uh, Belgium was number three, which, you know, Belgium and, and uh, Holland and those kind of, and Germany and stuff, they just do well in all horse sports. Uh, but then number four was Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't even know where Tunisia is. <laughs> Do we know where Tunisia is? Uh, that's what Google's It's in Northern <laughs> Africa. It's an African yeah, country. So there is. you go. That okay. was... That was yeah. uh, that, and then Team USA was fifth, but uh, not too bad. Yes, not too bad. But yeah, some different it's countries great. in there. <laughs> twenty con- it's a twenty countries. Yeah, so fifth place out of twenty is not too bad. You know, yeah, it's really good. So congratulations, guys. We had them on a couple of uh, months ago. If you want to go month, back and yeah. take a mm-hmm. listen to that, so that was a lot of fun. And now, one other thing before we get to Distance Depot and, and Kristen over there to talk about a little a bit about products, and we're talking about hoop care items today, is you're you're on a new diet. So what I did you do? Did I started a keto diet? Oh, okay. And it's actually, it's really not that hard. The hardest thing for me was learning that I had to eat more meat. Yeah, that's the thing about keto. (laughs) Yeah, because if you don't eat enough meat, it's really hard to get the protein and fat without going over your calories. Right. So once I learned I can eat So what kind of things on the keto diet are you allowed to eat? Uh, You know... Mainly, it's what you can't eat mm-hmm. that that I've had to make sure I eliminate, which is, you know, stuff like, you know, pizza because of the crust. Uh, no, you know, you're cutting out bread and anything processed w- like, with sugar. Like noodles and all that stuff, right? Sure. Yes. And also fruit. You, there's very little fruit type things that you can have because of the carb content in them. Uh, no more potatoes. Stuff yeah, like well, that. Yeah, well, that rules me out right there. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, but you, because you know, is, when you say no potatoes, it also means no French fries. No so, French fries. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's tough. Um, you know, if you get enough meat, you tend to stay full, so you're not really hungry. And that seems to work really well. Um, Are you allowed to eat cheese? Yes. Oh, good. Cheese. Yeah. Cheese is good, heavy cream, 
you know, so I I can take heavy cream and whip it up with like cream cheese. See, this is the exact opposite of what you would think would work for a diet, right? Because you have to have fat. Right. And and the days where I didn't get where I didn't meet my fat numbers, I wouldn't I would go days and not lose any weight. And then Mm. I'd go back and get it you know, figure things out a little bit better and then hit all my numbers and get enough fat and then boom, then the weight starts coming off. But yes, you it, you don't lose the fat without eating the fat. So you can have cheese and cream cheese and um, stuff like that. And, you know, so there, avocados are good. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can have. And ironically, this is what you know, I, I have chronic Lyme disease, and the diet is no gluten, no sugar. Uh, the diet that works for uh, for chronic Lyme people is actually a keto diet. It's, it, okay. it, you know, it's it's actually less. It's it's almost everything on a keto diet because you're you're really looking at low sugar. You know, you're not eating mm-hmm. breads and that kind of thing. So no gluten. Uh, so right. yeah, so that's what a keto diet basically is. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, so you have all the excuse in the world to eat steak every day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if only it wasn't so expensive. Yeah, right? exactly. You have the you pick the keto diet at the time when all of that stuff has tripled in price. <laughs> so, I know. Has, I know. Has it worked? Have you lost any weight? I've lost ten pounds so far. Yay! Good for you. So, uh, yeah, the horses will be happy. <laughs> yeah, well, and the hardest part about a diet. You just got to stick with Sticking it. Sticking with it. And of course, you lose a certain amount of weight and you plateau for a while. That's just what yeah. happens with any diet. So sure, yeah. and I think it's harder for women. Oh, I, Jennifer I mean, has my... told me that her entire life. She gets so mad because she said, "You just I slow know. down your eating and you lose twenty pounds." And oh yeah, <laughs> my husband loses weight easily twice yeah. the rate, and he eats twice as much. I think there is some. Tr- there is definitely fair. truth to that. There's no question. Yeah. I I don't know if that's a hormonal thing because, you know, because nature doesn't want women to lose a lot of weight because they're supposed to be having babies and, you know, that whole thing. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm sure that has something to do with it, not being a a doctor or a scientist, but that'd be my guess. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's not our fault you're not losing weight, so stop blaming (laughs) us. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Although she gets mad at me when I do. (laughs) All right, let's go to Kristen at Distance Depot and find out about our products of the month. Well, we have Kristen here from Distance Depot. She comes on with us every month and talks about cool products that are on the market for endurance riders and other riders and just people who have horses. And we're talking about hoof care this month. And I am on the Distance Depot page, and I went to the hoof care section, and I see some rasps that are rounded. I have never seen that before. Yeah, um, good morning. Thanks good morning. for having me. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> um, yes, so I think years ago there was one, and I was trying to remember the name of it. I think it was like Trail Riders Rasp or something, and it was almost um, yeah, like a 90-degree angle, 180-degree angle. I don't know. It was almost folded in half, and it was the most awkward thing to use. And these radio rasps, um, I've had them for quite a few years. We met these folks at an AERC convention, and they had their rasps there, and they're farriers. So um, they're rounded. They do the Mustang roll for you. They have a magnet on the back side. Um, so, like, in my attack room, I have a bar where I hang my saddle pads and stuff, and I just have that bar, that rasp on that bar. It just sticks right to it. 
Um, but they're awesome. So there's two types. There's a radius rasp one, which is for lighter filing, just keeping your boots fitting well or your feet um, nicely trimmed. Um, and then there's the stronger radius rasp two, um, and that one is more formidable. It's more like your farrier's rasp. Um, but I love these because it's just like using a cheese grater. When you do get them, the blades are super sharp, and we have a video on there, and he shows you because they're so sharp, they grab the hoof, but a few short strokes um, to get it broken in, and once it's broken in, that thing goes around there just like grating cheese. It's amazing. It, they're just awesome. I can't say enough about them. Anytime I have people in the store and they're talking about boots, I'm like, look, if you're going to be a boot user, you need a rasp unless you're a farrier because I, with a farrier's rasp, am rasping all my knuckles, taking skin yeah, off my Yeah, that is true. Know, <laughs> and, and then I'm worried about changing angles, and you're not going to do that with these rasps, I mean, unless you really start hacking away. But, um, you know, the goal is to, to do the Mustang roll um, and have your boots fit and great. So, so keep have you ever tried well. these, Karen? No, but I'm definitely ordering one, Kristen. I'll, I'll okay. be in touch afterwards. Um, <laughs> they really I, are. I need one of these because my horse's bars get rock yes. hard. Mm-hmm. And we have the Evo bar and sole rasps also. And again, there's a one and a two, so a lighter rasp and then a heavy duty rasp for more serious um, bar and sole rasping. <laughs> and okay. then, of course, the radius rasps do have replacement blades. Yeah, this is so very cool. I, I, point, I like the bar and sole one. ones, too. That just makes a lot of sense also. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't really get cool in there with your regular rasp. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Ergonomically friendly, too, so they fit your hand, even if you're a gal, you know, or a guy. My husband uses his on his horse, so they're just, yeah, they're awesome. This would Andy. probably be a horse husband-approved gift for their horse wife. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think this is a this <laughs> yeah, is a good one. Absolutely. Get the pack. Get one of each. <laughs> yeah. Or all four. Exactly. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> so so the different levels is kind of like sandpaper. You have rust sandpaper. You have mild right. sandpaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. Yep. And, um, and then of course, yeah, we have lots of other things. Um, we have hoof heel dressing, Venice turpentine, um, and white lightning for for thrush or white line disease. Um, if you're having any of that stuff. And we have a new line of products, too, which I want to plug because these products are amazing. Um, they're by Equiderma. They're, they have a skin lotion, a shampoo, conditioner, and a spray, which they don't call a fly spray, but it's awesome for flies. Yeah, they call these it horse spray. Equiderma is yeah. one of our big sponsors, and we've been talking oh, about they, them forever. So it's good oh to know they gosh, can get them well, with you now. Uh-huh. Apparently, I'm just coming into this. Yeah. These products. I've been using them on my husband's horse, and they are awesome. And then they have the thrush and white line yep. um, medicine, too, that I've been putting on my guy because he's got some um, just white line stuff that I can never sort of, with the shoe on there, it just always sort of hangs around, and it's annoying. So I've been using it and seeing great results. Oh, that's what we that. use. We had a guest on yesterday yeah. that... Uh, that uses it, her horse was rubbing his tail out, you know, forever, and could, uh-huh. tried hundreds of dollars with the vet products and other products. Oh, I know. Finally got the Equiderma, and all of a sudden it was better. 
Yeah, okay, I might I the, might need that too. <laughs> and we use the MTG. My husband's horse is the itchiest horse alive, and so I've tried the shampoo on him and stuff. And generally, after a bath, he'll be like, he's just over there on the itching post, and he's scratching his mane, you know. And I try to rinse real well, but he didn't do any of that nope. after his baths with this stuff. And the horse spray awesome. is really good. That's what we use here, and we live in Florida. We know about bugs, right? Um, yeah. And the horse spray mm-hmm. works fantastically. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I will warn you about the horse spray: if you have a horse like my pony is super sensitive then you oh, cut yeah. it in half you just you oh, just okay. mix it with water 50 50 and it right. still is the best spray ever and it doesn't affect his skin whereas 100 percent would affect his skin so oh, okay. it's and pretty it goes twice as far it's all natural too that's the other thing <laughs> right yeah right. yeah no there so, you go well what? there i gave you an extra endorsement every equiderma <laughs> product when we went on our road trip here uh almost every barn we stayed at had equiderma products in their barn Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so good to know they can get it with you. <laughs> so now you can order the Radius Rasp, the Evo Bar and Soul Rasp, and Equiderma all in a big package. That's right. <laughs> and then you can also yeah. go and get your Horse Radio Network uh, logo wear. Uh, right, right there. All your embroidery. Yeah, your embroidery mm-hmm. right there. You can yeah. do this all at Distance Depot at thedistancedepot.com. Thanks, Kristen. And our first guest this morning is Griffin Keller. She is from the northeast, southeast region of the country. She's a new aspiring endurance rider that has just started doing 50s, I understand. And she also is a big part of the Green Bean program with the AARC. Um, Welcome, Griffin. How are you doing this morning? Thank you so much. I'm doing great. So tell us, how did you get again? I know. Yeah. How did you get started in endurance? Oh, that, um, let's see. I actually started back in 2014. Um, I had a big paint mix at the time (laughs) and just kind of got involved with some folks. And when we were living in Memphis that were doing endurance rides instead of competitive trail riding and kind of got hooked. Okay, and how did you get involved with the Green Bean program? Um, Let's see. I was kind of involved in it, I guess, since the beginning, just kind of in the background. I've been friends with Debmo for a while. Um, And a few years into it, uh, Ricky and Deb had asked me to step in and start helping out. And within the last couple of years, that has turned into being one of the directors with Deb. (laughs) (laughs) So, so explain to our listeners a little bit about what the Green Bean Program is. We are there to support our new members, uh, which we consider a Green Bean anybody who has a thousand miles combined of limited distance or endurance uh, as a Green Bean. And that's over your whole career. So somebody who may have started 10, 15 years ago and never got that far could still be a green bean Mm -hmm. if they wanted to join today. Um, We're just a separate little program that's out there to really encourage new riders. Uh, There's some team competitions where you can register five people, up to five people on a team and compete for end of year awards. We try and do some giveaways. Uh, This year we added our Tally Ho Mileage Derby just for fun to see what's going on, getting people uh, out there conditioning that may may not be able to get to a ride, but they're still out there racking up miles conditioning. And mm-hmm. our leaders 
are really our newest folks. So oh, it's good. interesting to see the breakdown. Good. So I understand you did your first 50 last fall. Yes. Uh, I spent obviously many years in LD and actually a, several of those years not competing because of horse issues. Um, and then COVID kind of ruined my original plans for 2020, but I was able to get to the Foxcatcher ride in the fall and my standard bread and I completed the 50 as turtle. So we were super excited. And um, now we're looking to go for our second 50 completion uh, here at the Biltmore. We did attempt another ride in November to do another 50, but sand and dehydration kind of got to them. So we were pulled at the vet check. Oh, so you're getting ready for Biltmore, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, it's been on my list to go to for a long time. <laughs> so are you going to do the 50 at Biltmore? Yes. And uh, my wife's heading up there for the first time, too. Now, you've been to Biltmore before, right? Only as not the ride itself. But I've as been to the Biltmore estate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. And talk about a perfect backdrop yeah. for uh, for an endurance ride. Yeah, that that's going to be pretty cool, and maybe some little bit of fall colors spurred in there. Yeah, it's a popular ride. So, tell us yeah. a little bit about your horse. You mentioned that uh, she is a standard bred. She he uh, he yep he's he. an off the track okay. standard bred. <laughs> um, came off the track in two thousand. Okay, I got him in 2018. So 2017. Okay. Um, and I got him in 2018 directly through um, a, a person, really, that kind of pulls horses off the track through the breeders and racers that she knows and rehomes them. Um, so we've been competing the last three years together. And uh, he had a great 2019 with five LD completions. And then 2020 was the year to move up. So we're just trying to keep that going. Yeah, yeah. Good. So has he presented any special challenges to you, being that he's off the track? Is he hot or? (laughs) Standard (laughs) birds are not as hot as I think people might. They kind of associate the off the track thing with thoroughbreds. Yeah. yeah. They're actually a very level-headed horse um, and pretty chill. He took to riding really quickly and loves the trail. Um, kind of hates the arena. We both do, but uh-huh. good. <laughs> loves to go down the trail. Oh, good. So if somebody wants to learn more about the green bean program, do you guys have a website? We do. It is greenbeanendurance.org. And uh, you can even join there from, there's links to the AERC site, uh, um, what is it called, the job form to join, um, which which at this point would be for next year's program. Terrific. Okay, great. Well, we wish you the best of luck at the Biltmore. Um, I'll be following along and um, hoping you do well and have a great time. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. And this episode is also sponsored by Renegade Hoof Boots, which are made in the United States in Arizona, to be exact. They come in multiple different colors, and they have a couple of different models, the Renegade Classic and the Renegade Viper. 
which are uh, slightly different shaped. The Vipers are sized in millimeters, while the Classics are in inches. And so if you need help fitting your boots, you can go to renegadehorseboot.com or renegadehoofboot.com and shoot them an email with photos of your horse's feet and your measurements, and they will help you determine which boot is going to fit and work the best for your horse. Which one do been you use? Used- well, I used both, yeah. actually, and a combination Apollo because when I first got him, his heels and his feet were, you know, basically a project, let's just say that, and uh, now he's doing so much better, but he uses a combination of a Viper tread with the Renegade Classic Captivator, on, uh, you know, which goes over the heel, and that works just beautifully for him and now the new horse little jovi he's just using regular vipers and over the years my previous horses had used uh, both models of the boots for many thousands of miles and um, you know some horses will do great in just about anything you use on them and then others you've got to fine-tune them a little bit like with what we did with apollo with uh, mixing and matching the um, boot base with the captivator in order to get an optimum fit that would work for him and um, and he's doing great in him and his feet have transformed beautifully so we're very happy with the results we get and with how well these boots work for us very cool and what's renegade what's the website again uh, renegadehoofboot.com And our next guest is Claire Elizabeth Jane Eckerd, who has just recently written a boot called Gallant, The Call of the Trail. And we're looking forward to talking to her about that and all things endurance this morning. Welcome, Claire. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. So I see you've written a book that is, it's a fiction and it's loosely loosely based on the childhood memories of Julie Sir. So for those that don't know who Julie Sir is in our audience, can you just give us a, a brief overview of Julie? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think, you know, probably most people have heard of her, but um, she is one of the original people in endurance. She's called the Grand Dam of Endurance because she's been around for so long. She's an absolutely amazing um, person and very inspirational. She's currently 97 years old, and you wouldn't believe it if you saw her. No one can believe she's 97, um, but she is as sharp as a tack, and, and she's just a wonderful friend. And what happened was during the kind of COVID quarantine where she couldn't, you know, go out as much or do her usual things, I said to her, hey, you know, how about we we collaborate a little bit and put our heads together and think about a book that could inspire uh, maybe some younger endurance riders to the sport. So um, Julie has a long history in endurance and she's done, you know, I'm not sure what her total mileage because she started before AARC was even recording miles. Um, But she owned a horse, HCC Gazal, who is still the, uh, the current record holder for the Hagen Cup. He's won, he won three Hagen Cups and no horse has done that since. So um, that's kind of an exciting record for somebody to try and, and break at some point. But um, Julie's just wonderful. We had a great time, uh, became even closer kind of going through the, 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 the research and the discussions about this book. 
That sounds like a lot of fun getting to, you know, just relive some of those old memories and stuff. And what was like for you the best part of writing this book as far as like the stories go? Uh, Gosh, you know, the whole thing was a truly wonderful experience. I think because I was so inspired by Julie and she, uh, she wrote a book that a lot of, a lot of the listeners may have read called 10 foot tall still. So a lot of her childhood memories were in the book. Um, but in talking with her, you know, she sort of sent me some other, uh, information and documents and a lot of photographs and things that she had sort of in her, in her, uh, private, uh, you know, documents. And so that, that was really cool to kind of get a, a deeper look into her history. And what we found as we were writing, as we were writing the book is that, um, the character of Gracie, who's the main character, was definitely inspired by Julie, and the main horse, Gallant, was inspired by H.C.C. Ghazal. But as we move forward with the book, the characters sort of took on their own life and okay. went on their own journey once we got beyond those, those childhood memories. And that was really fun. You know, at one point, Julie was like, okay, cut loose and go with it. And then I just got to completely use my imagination. And there are certain points in the book where I still um, try and tie into her life and Ghazal's rides and things like that. But uh, it is it is predominantly a fiction book. But anyone who's read her book or knows Julie will certainly recognize a lot of the things in there. And um, as far as the favorite things, you know, I love creating these these characters and their adventures and really trying to put together a book that would appeal not only to endurance riders, but to people in other horse disciplines, um, anybody who enjoyed, you know, the classic books like National Velvet and Black Beauty. Um, it's it's sort of written in that style where it can appeal to any age group uh, who can read it. So far, the reviews have been good. It's only, uh, it's not officially launched until the 28th of this month, but um, it's out on Kindle and I've had a, a couple of professional reviews. And and it's going across well, so fingers crossed okay. it'll 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 actually you know be be uh, received well. Okay, and we should also mention that some of the proceeds are going to be donated. Tell us about that. They are. So one thing that Julie and I both wanted to do was to use this book to help a cause. And uh, at one point when we got together, we were talking about. The at that time, the possible future museum in Auburn uh, for the Western States Trail. And so I connected with Hal Hall, and he is um, sort of the, the person leading that program. There's a whole board of people putting it together, but he was the person that I contacted. And we started talking, and I said, you know, how likely is this to happen? And he said, we're, you know, we're almost there. Um, so I decided, you know, that would be a wonderful, uh, a wonderful cause to donate to because the Western States Trail Museum is going to be an essential location in Auburn. It's going to be accessible to so many people. It's going to tell not only the history of the Tevis Cup, but also, um, in general, the history of the trail and the area and also of the uh, Western States Endurance Run. So it's going to incorporate, um, quite a lot of exciting uh, facets from that area and things that I think a lot of people will enjoy, even if they're not familiar with endurance. 
So um, hopefully we'll get enough proceeds from the book to be able to to help them sort of get started. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll be doing a, a lot of different fundraising efforts, but it sounds like such a cool project and one that Julie and I both were so excited about. So it was a perfect fit for this book. Oh, good. And I see you, this is part of a trilogy. So what are you going to write about next? So the, the, the first book is really an introduction to the characters and tells about their history. And it does take you through a couple of endurance rides. Um, I chose rides that were on sort of in the West region because that is where Julie mostly rode um, and where most of Gazal's history is. So in these first two rides, um, we do the fireworks ride, which is a really cool ride. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that. And it's a ride I've done myself, so I was pretty familiar with it. And um, and then, uh, you know, I just kind of wove that into the story. And so the, the, the tricky thing with writing about endurance is there's only so many times you can say, you know, that you're trotting down a trail or describe a trail. And uh-huh. so I really had to weave the experience of the characters into, into the rides themselves to make them interesting. And I didn't want to be overly dramatic um, either and, and go too far outside of what a normal ride would be. Um, I also was very aware that I would probably get in the middle of a debate as far as racing and riding. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, was curious to see how that might play out. Wait, are you saying and there's debate and argument in the endurance world? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just a little bit. And, you know, I was very aware of that. And, and I also, because this is fiction, you know, I have junior riders that are riding independently without a sponsor. So I tried to balance all that out in the book. I, I did a forward that explained, you know, the, this is fiction. I'm not following all of the rules. Oh, isn't it sad um, that you I, actually had to explain that for a fiction book? I, mean, I, <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. But I also wanted to give a lot of resources to people who might be interested in the sport. So I was able to sort of tie all of that in. Um, and, and, and I hope that endurance writers who read it will recognize that it's entertainment first and foremost. It's hopefully um, inspiring for the sport of endurance, even though it's not 100% accurate. And that I have given plenty of references to where people can go and really learn about the sport, um, you know, independent from the book. But that that was one of my concerns writing it. Um, You know, endurance writers are, are wonderful, but they can be a tough crowd. And I wanted to make sure that that they enjoyed the book and, and then also people outside of endurance would in, would enjoy it. So there are hey. no murders in this book or anything like that, right? I mean, no, okay, I, good. you know, I tried to, well, not so far. I mean, you know, I haven't written the first, <laughs> third one yet. I'm halfway. Yeah. Halfway we don't know what Julie was getting up to later there. We, uh, we don't yeah. know. Exactly. Exactly. And um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the second book to sort of further answer your question, the second book goes into um, more in depth with the characters. I do think it's a very character and driven, uh, driven book and it's two main people, you know, characters, and two main horse characters. And I tell the book from all four points of view. So that that's kind of interesting. You get to see the insight from the horse's point of view of their lives and, and their experience and endurance, as well as from the people's uh, point of view. And it, it that was really fun to write. I actually enjoyed that there's, you know, my, my main 
bad guy is, is one of the horses. And then there's also a, a human <laughs> sort of, you know, instigating character, but actually the, the, the bad guy of the horse character was one of my, uh, was one of my most interesting characters to write. And in the second book, he really c- comes to the uh, forefront and it's a lot about his journey. So um, I think it's, it's, you know, I'm taking you through on the second book, the Virginia City 100 ride, which I'm for, uh, sure you're familiar okay. with. Sure. Um, yeah. That's got a ton of history. So, so that's been really interesting to do not only the history of the ride, the history of that area, and that's called Gallant, the Call of the Mustang. So I bring in, you know, the 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 Mustang bands that that live around that area and kind of pull them into the book and and weave that story in also. So there's there's quite a lot going on in the second book. And um, the third book will take our characters through Tevis. And and then we'll see where we go from there. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's what I have planned so far. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just such a cool series to write. So I hope it, it's enjoyable to read as well. I'm having so much fun with it. Okay. I see it's available on Kindle now, you said. And you've also Correct. got a paperback version. And I see right, it's listed. Right, a paperback version. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Where else can, is there anywhere else somebody could order it? Yeah, it can also be ordered. There's a Nook version available on Barnes & Noble and the paperback version will be available on Barnes & Noble on the 28th of, of September, but you can pre-order now. Uh, same on Target.com, Walmart.com. Um, and then I have a website uh, which has all of my books on it and a lot more information um, and some of my um, media interviews and things like that and awards, which have been really fortunate to um, to do well with my other books also. This book actually uh, debuted as um, hot new release, number one hot new release on Kindle. And it also um, got a number one Amazon bestseller for the, oh, the paperback. Good for, job. Yeah, for teen and young adult um, equestrian fiction. So it's, you know, I did quite a bit of pre-marketing for it, and and I think that helped to get it to that point. Um, but my website is claireeckardauthor.com, and um, I do I take pre-orders and orders on there. And the cool thing about going to my website to order is that that's really the only place I can do donations to the museum. Because, um, unfortunately, all these other places, you know, I get a really tiny, pitiful sure, royalty right, off right. the sales. And uh-huh. it just doesn't leave room for the donation. So I'm really encouraging people to support the donation. To buy it direct. Sure. Book. Yeah, just go direct mm-hmm. to my website, ClaireEckardAuthor.com. You can order direct. And then I can also sign the book. And I can dedicate it to, to you know, either the purchaser or whoever they're buying it for sign it, put a little note on there, and it just makes it a little bit more personal, and then also um, do the, the donation to the museum. So that would be my preferred way for people to order, but it is available everywhere, um, you know, and also the Kindle, I will say the Kindle version, I can also do uh, donation to because Kindle does, uh, does give a lot more to the author than on the paperback version. Okay, well, let's switch gears for just a second. Tell us what's going on with endurance down in Arizona. Gosh, you know what? Arizona is doing really well with endurance. We didn't Good. shut down with COVID quite as much as other places, um, like California, for instance. And we we started in the West region. We're now in the Southwest region. We've been in Arizona for about the last 
15 years. And I, honestly, I do less and less endurance. I'm, I'm planning on getting back into it because I've got this really amazing Mustang that I'm bringing along right now. But my husband has been extremely competitive in the Southwest region. And um, so I've done a lot of crewing and and volunteering and, you know, just some sort of fun rides and, and LDs recently. But we have some very cool rides in Arizona because we've got the, the lower desert rides like the Tonto Twist and Lead Follow, Get Out of My Way and rides like that, Jingle Bell Trot. Um, and then we've got the higher elevation rides like Man Against Horse, which is one of my favorites. And that one's coming, coming up you soon. You have the runners. It is. It's coming yeah. up on uh, on the 9th of October. And unfortunately, um, I'm not going to be able to go this year because we're going to be in England visiting my family. But my husband's won that ride a couple times, and it's always just the most fun to go and hang out there um, because of the aspect with the runners. It just has a different feel to it. And it's, again, got a lot of history. It's got an amazing buckle, and it's run by the, the neatest people, Ron and okay. Stacey Barrett. So, yeah, we love that one. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, Claire. We wish you luck with your book. Yeah, you're welcome. Can I mention one other thing quickly before sure. we go? Um, I am currently writing a book that is going to be so fun and so cool, which is about Flash the Hackney Pony and his 13-year-old owner, Kyla. And they mm -hmm. finished Tevis this past July, and they were uh, Flash was the smallest smallest pony to ever complete the Tevis ride. So had sort of a little, uh, you know, yeah, we had her on the show. We had Kyla on the show and, uh, yeah. cause I have That's a hackney fun. pony. So we talked a lot about hackney ponies and yeah. how naughty they are. <laughs> so we are, we are putting together, we're probably going to end up doing two books cause we want to write it a couple different ways, but we are, um, sick in the middle of it. I'm having so much working with her. She's a really cool, cool girl and i'm really excited to be putting that one out there soon because she already has such an amazing fan club that'll so be fun <laughs> i think it's gonna do yeah i think it's gonna do well people will love it well let us know when it yeah. comes out okay absolutely i will for sure thanks claire appreciate it thanks claire thank you so much so and we'll much put fun. a link thank you both we'll put a link to the website in the show notes for today's episode all right, everybody, we are about time to wrap up the show. Where can people find out where all the shows are and events in their area like the Biltmore? Oh, go to AERC.org and click on the ride calendar. That's that simple. But uh, we've run out of time for today. You can find guests or and all their links on our show notes at horsesinthemorning.com or on your podcast player. Just scroll over to the show notes. Uh, you can also find all the rest of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. You can follow Karen on her Facebook page, right? Yes. Envy Endurance Writer, and you'll see a lot of new posts about the new horse and how he's coming along. And if the smoke ever clears and, and the bears ever get out of her yard, she might be able to ride again at some point. Oh, so. no, I'm riding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only on good good air days, and we're taking it real slow so the smoke can get out of their lungs. They've been <laughs> in the smoke for too long. Ugh. So, and if you... Uh, 
you know, if you if you want to go back and take a listen to any of the past episodes for endurance or any of the other Tuesdays or Thursdays, a lot of people don't know this, but you can go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down in the middle of the page, and you're going to see little banners. And one of them is an endurance banner with Karen's picture. Click on that, and it'll take you to all the past episodes that we've done over the years, and there's a lot of them, so you have a lot of catching up to do, but that's how you can eight listen. years. Yeah, you can listen <laughs> to eight years worth right there. Well, thanks, everybody. Take care. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Jamie and Dr. Wendy will be here because I'll be on my way to Dallas, Texas for the American Horse Publications Conference. I'll actually be seeing Jamie later in the week. She'll be coming up or coming down to Dallas for a couple of uh, days. And we have an awards dinner for Saturday night to see if any of our podcasts won awards this year, which uh, we've won awards in the past. I don't think they're ever going to give it to us again. But um who knows? We're going to go eat food and hang out together and drink a little. So that's that's what we're going to do. And we will be, and several of the other hosts from Horse Radio Network will be there. So it'll be like a little reunion down there in Dallas. Because there's no COVID in, in Texas at all this time of year. So <laughs> this should be fine. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.